Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Defense! Defense! All the hard work, let's go! College football today. Uh, we are full throttle ahead with conference play on the horizon. Welcome to College Football Today, brought to you by BetDSI.com. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, and Gabe Morenci going to be with you for the next three hours. We're going to talk about our top plays, top 25 battles, games front and center stage. Rich, I mean, this is what it's all about. Teams now entering conference title play. This is what it's all about in terms of seeing which team uh, could possibly be, be a college football playoff contender. Yeah, Joe, people are knocking week four on the schedule. I completely disagree. I think there's some great matchups. I mean, we don't have that marquee you know battle of top 10 teams per se but you look at wisconsin iowa huge in the big 10 west tcu texas has texas really turned things around can tcu bounce back from last week's loss to ohio state urban meyer back with ohio state against tulane so i think there's some great storylines as we uh, as we have the final weekend of september believe it or not yeah great games in the sec as well alabama T- texas a&m saban and jimbo fisher along with georgia and missouri at 12 o'clock we'll we'll get into those games in just a little bit but last night we saw usc struggle with washington state fell behind at the half by seven points rallied for a 39 to 36 victory over Gardner Minshew and Washington State, JT Daniels, three touchdown passes, gets the victory, but they did not look good defensively. If they struggle in conference play, this was a USC team last year, Rich, that was 9-1 and one and won those nine games by 13.7 points per game. Unless they pick it up on the defensive side of the ball, they might not go bowling this year. Well, I, I think this is a 7 maybe eight win team the struggles that I have with USC you talked about the defense how about the offensive line just not healthy not winning at the point of attack against a mediocre Washington State defense I have a lot of concerns about USC this is a team that's built for 2019 you mentioned JT Daniels the young wide receivers Amon Ross St. Brown those guys are fantastic they're built for 2019, but will Clay Helton be the head coach when they get to that point? Yeah, great point. I mean, I think a lot of people were down on Washington State, but they seem to be possibly a contender within yeah. the conference as well. A solid road effort. If they can continue to play like that, could be a, a possible eight or a nine-win team. A lot of people in Vegas had them pegged at around six or possibly five wins. I don't see it. This is a legitimate Pac-12 team as they navigate through Pac-12 play. Yeah, I mean, final thought on this game is, uh, you know, we could see, even though USC won, they're a South team, the the power in the Pac-12 was up North. I I would be shocked if the South champion, whoever that is, USC, Utah, maybe Colorado. Colorado's been a big surprise. I don't think that team is going to win a Pac-12 title. The the strength is up north, and and we'll see that later on tonight with Stanford and Oregon. And then we saw Penn State struggle with Illinois. This was an Illinois team last year that was 0-9 in Big Ten play. They lost those nine games last year by 20 points per game. They did hold a three-point lead in the third quarter before Penn State turned it on and blew out Illinois. I mean, was was uh, Penn State looking ahead to their Week 5 matchup in Happy Valley with Urban Meyer and Ohio State? It looked like that for three quarters, but Trace McSorley, he's a Heisman contender as well. Big time. Uh, I mean, Trace McSorley is fantastic. He's a great college quarterback. I think he'll make a pretty good NFL quarterback as well. He's got a lot of gut, a lot of grit. He's athletic outside the pocket. Miles Sanders rushes for uh, 200 yards, uh, the successor to Saquon Barkley. I love the Penn State offense. A lot of worries about the defense. I usually don't overplay the look ahead, but I think it applies last night. You know, you're in Champaign. It's a Friday night. 
Next week, you're hosting Ohio State in a mega Big Ten East game. So, you know, they woke up, scored 42 unanswered, and actually covered last night yeah, as well. Yeah. On the flip side, you have Ohio State with Urban Meyer back facing Tulane. Possible look ahead there. I think Tulane covers that number. We're not going to get into it. Yeah. 37 points. And I, you look at the total in that matchup as well. It opened at 65, jumped to 68, 68 and a half. I think in order for Tulane to keep this game close, they're going to need to run the football. It's, an, it's a game to keep an eye out on because Penn State was looking ahead. They did cover that number last night as 28.5-point favorites in that matchup. Ohio State opened as a 35-point favorite, now up to 37. Rich and I both like Tulane no, in I that do. battle. Yeah. yeah, I do. No Nick Bosa. Not yeah. to say, you know, Chase Young will take over on the outside of that defense. You really won't notice it, but no Nick Bosa. I can't imagine Ohio State is that jacked up. You have TCU in the rearview mirror. You have Penn State ahead. Now you have Tulane. Tulane could slow things down a little bit, you know, kind of reduce the possessions for Dwayne Haskins and the Ohio State offense. So I like that. I think it's a pretty good play with Tulane. We'll see how it plays. It's a 3.30 kick in the horseshoe later today. Let's talk about the big game in the SEC East. It's Georgia on the road in Columbia to face Drew Locke and Missouri. Both teams are undefeated at 3-0. You look at the series overall, Georgia's 5-0 over the last five games and have won those games over the Tigers by 15.6 points per game. You look at this game last year, Rich. Drew Locke got hot early in Athens, completed 15 of 25 passes, 253 yards, three, four touchdowns, and one interception before Georgia turned it on and won 53 to 28. But I think this game's going to be a lot closer than people think. I think Georgia does pick up a four point victory later today in Columbia. I, I disagree. I yeah. mean, I, didn't you learn your lesson the last time <laughs> Georgia was playing in Columbia, right? You were on South Carolina. Yes. Also yes. in Columbia. Now you're on Missouri. I, you, you're a Georgia fan. I'm shocked at you. And I'm a little bit disappointed because, listen, nobody's stopping this offense. Certainly not Missouri. Missouri gave up 572 yards through the air to David Blau of Purdue last week. Last year, 696 yards against the Missouri defense. I love Drew Locke. I know they'll score. I think this game could look an awful lot like last year, where it's close for a while, but that Georgia offense, Jake Fromm, Justin Fields, completing 81% of their passes this year. You have the backs in Holyfield and DeAndre Swift. Maybe the deepest wide receiver core this side of Ole Miss. I don't think Missouri stops this team. And Georgia, by the way, last seven Road trips, 7-0 and against the spread. I think that continues today. One of my best bets. I like wow. Georgia Lane, the We're two touchdowns. We're bucking heads early. Great points, counselor, in terms of Georgia. I'm a Georgia fan. I'll say this about Georgia. 8-2 and two last year in SEC play. They won those eight games by 28 points per game. They're going to need Jake Fromm. You mentioned it, but I look at this offense of Missouri. They're averaging 389 passing yards per game. They're pounding the rock for over 200 with Crockett and Roundtree. Here's the matchup as well though. You look at Georgia's defense. They're giving up 157 passing yards per game, three games rich, one sack. They're going to need to get more pressure on Drew Locke because if he has time early and jumps up, I think they can move the football. And if they put the pressure on Jake Fromm on the road in this matchup, outside of Miko Hardeman, I know they have Ridley, they have other wide receivers like Godwin as well, but there's really not a go-to guy that's in a double-digit receiver. Hardeman leads that team with only 12 receptions. That could be a recipe for disaster and possible upset. See, I kind of like that, Joe. I like the fact that there isn't that one guy that you could double on the outside. Missouri has to contend with a number of receivers, including Isaac Nauta, the tight end. There's so many different options for that offense, and the offensive line is massive. I think I gave too much credit to the Missouri defense. Even last week, I liked Missouri against Purdue. They didn't cover... Uh, thought they would have, thought the defense would play better, did not. They struggled against David Blau, and I think that continues today. You know, Drew Locke could land some body blows. He's a terrific, you know, possibly future first, second-round draft choice. Manuel Hall, dynamite wide receiver. I just don't think they have the weapons and certainly the defense. That's where the edge is for me. Missouri's defense, I think, will fold in the second half. And again, I, I think it'll model what we saw with South Carolina, where we thought, you know, South Carolina looks like a – 
trendy upset pick. Maybe they can hang with them. I just don't think Missouri has a talent. See, I don't look at South Carolina as having the same type of uh, offensive philosophy, and I wasn't a big, a big Derek Dooley fan in terms of him coming over as the offensive coordinator, but you mentioned the offense of Missouri. A, a key factor as well, Rich, converting 53% on third down conversions. You mentioned that front seven in Missouri. They're holding opposing offenses to 74 rushing yards per game. That's the strength of Georgia right now. They're pounding the Rock for 272 per game. If they could force Jake Fromm into long third down situations on the road, I think they can get them into a high scoring matchup. And that could be where Drew Locke does uh, outshine uh, Jake Fromm in this matchup. I, I think it comes down to the speed as well. I like Missouri here playing at home. They start fast and put the pressure on Georgia to match them score for score. I think it's high scoring, though, 34-30. And, and the last time they were here, these two teams, Missouri played much better yeah. in Columbia against Georgia two years ago. Maybe a little bit of a different Georgia team at that time. Jacob Eason was, was a true freshman starting quarterback. Uh, Georgia's just head and shoulders above I would be surprised if this was a game in the fourth quarter. Yeah, we'll see. Turnovers could be critical as well. That's what Georgia did on the road against Jake Bentley. They were able to score off those turnovers. As long as Drew Locke is clean with the football, he's completing 69% of his passes, 1,062 yards, 11 touchdowns, one interception. As long as he's clean, Missouri could be in this game from start to finish. We'll turn our attention to a Big 12 battle, TCU in Texas. TCU picked up this victory last year in Fort Worth, 24-7. They've won four of the last five over the Longhorns by 30 points per game, Rich. But we saw Texas step up, dominate USC. Second-half adjustments were critical. I'm all in on Tom Herman. Upset City, baby. Joey double digits. Texas with a 10-point win over TCU and Gary Patterson later today. Yeah, we're two for two in disagreements <laughs> because this is also one of my best bets of the day. I, I think TCU is significantly better. Here's my take on Texas. A great second half against USC. I mean, they got off the mat. I think they were down, what, 14-3? Yeah. Early on, came sure. back, won that game 37-14. to Kudos to Tom Herman and the Longhorns. Needed that win at home. Matthew McConaughey was <laughs> was going crazy right on the sidelines. It was, it was a great scene. But I think that was more of a blip on the radar. I don't think Texas has turned the corner. They still have an average quarterback in Sam Ellinger. They don't have the speed in the back seven to keep pace with TCU. TCU in losing was every bit as impressive last weekend as Texas was in winning. I thought they played very well against Ohio State, over 500 yards of offense. And when you look at that TCU team, Joe, tons of speed. Cavante Turpin, Jalen Rager, Darius Anderson had the big, what, like 90-yard run last week against Ohio State. So I think TCU, despite that loss last week against a very good Ohio State team, I think they still might be the next best thing to Oklahoma in the Big 12, and they'll show it. They love, TCU fans and TCU players love beating Texas. I think they get a chance to make it five in a row. Yeah, and the one thing about TCU is that they're able to run the football. They're a balanced offense, passing for over 200 with Robinson, their quarterback, who's completing 60% of his passes. And more importantly, they're passing for uh, over 200 yards a game and pounding the rock for over 200, right in the area of about 245 per game heading into this matchup. And you look at TCU in terms of Big 12 play last year, 7-3. and three. They won those seven games by 21 points per game. They lost those three games, two of them to Oklahoma, by 17.3 points per game. The other loss did come in Ames to Iowa State by seven points uh, in that battle. But this is not going to be an easy game. And I go to Texas's defense, Rich. I mean, entering this battle, they're holding opposing offenses to 109 rushing yards per game, only 31% on third-down conversions, I'm not sold on Robinson being this elite quarterback. I like Ellinger at home. And more importantly, I was very impressed with the physicality of the offensive line in terms of wearing down USC. This is a Texas offense that's averaging 181 yards per game. I think Trey Watson, Ellinger on the perimeter could be the difference. And the emotional letdown. I mean, TCU did hold a 21-13 to uh, third quarter lead over Ohio State before allowing that to slip 40-28. to that could play into this matchup as well. See, I disagree with emotional letdown. I mean, if it was a different opponent, if you were facing Kansas, right. maybe even Baylor, you could say emotional letdown. But 
Yeah, it hurts. I mean, they had an opportunity to to shake up the world and and become a top ten team with a with a win over Ohio State. Didn't happen in Arlington last weekend. But this is Texas. This is a big deal. I don't think it's going to take much to get these kids back up for a game in Austin. I don't think they'll have any problem with that. In terms of the Texas defense, been a little bit susceptible over yeah. the top. Now it's going to come down to Sean Robinson, first time starter. Can he take advantage of that secondary? And also keep in mind one of the reasons why I like TCU laying three. I think that's been steady well, at three. Yeah, three, three and a half right now. Probably at three. I'll double check. One of I the top interior linemen for Texas, Malcolm Roach, is out of this game and will be out for a significant period of time. I think it's bad timing against TCU. Just a faster team, more weapons, better defense. And as much as I like Todd Orlando, the Texas defensive coordinator, Gary Patterson, one of the best in the business in terms of devising game plans, I'm not sold on Texas. And that's why this is such a big game. It's such a pivotal game for Tom Herman in Texas because now that you woke up, now that you had your coming out party against USC. Can you sustain that excellence? Can you beat TCU and be a true contender in the Big 12? Yeah, look at right now. It's it's dipping down to about two and a half. I mean, there's some threes out there. TCU right in the area of about a two and a half point favorite. The game's at 330 in Austin. A lot of pressure on Tom Herman. He got that yeah. critical victory over Clay Helton last week, fell behind. They made the necessary adjustments. Can he do it in back-to-back weeks? Because this is not an easy schedule. They still have to face Oklahoma State. They still have to face Oklahoma if they have their side set on a Big 12 title. We'll see how it plays out. Here's the matchup as well. You, you talk about quarterback pressures. TCU enters this ballgame, eight total sacks through three games, holding opposing offenses to 25% on third down conversions. Whichever team can win third down ultimately will win this ball game. And that's why I like Texas here. I, I think they have the better wide receiver core now. I love Rager. I think he's a, a fantastic player, but more of a finesse guy. He only stands about 5'11". That's what you have to do to beat Texas. You said it, giving up 250 passing yards per game. I just don't think they have the playmakers on the outside to do it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I disagree. I, I'll go back to the speed issue. I, I just think TCU is a faster team. I said this in the off season. You know, th- this is yeah. this is arguably the fastest team that Gary Patterson has. I don't see that level of speed. I like the size of the Texas wide receivers a lot. Little Jordan Humphrey, one of the best names in college football. <laughs> Colin Johnson. You know, th- those right. are big six three, six four wide receivers. It's a handful for that TCU secondary, but. This is a huge game yeah. for not just for Tom Herman, but for the Big 12 race. Who's going to step up and remain in contention against Oklahoma? Yeah, and Oklahoma lot, State, for that matter. Yeah, I can't dismiss of, the Cowboys. A lot of pressure on the Longhorns in that battle. It's a 3.30 kick. When we come back, we'll be talking Notre Dame and Wake Forest. Keep it where it is. Joe Lisi, Ritz Sermonello, live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34. Like a great pass rusher, the Roto Experts will help you sack your fantasy football competition. When you register for their exclusive Edge Fantasy Package, you get a cheat sheet generator plus a player database with sortable projections and rankings from the best in the business. And you can join the fantasy conversation in the 24-7 Slack chat channel. Visit rotoexperts.com to register for the exclusive Edge Fantasy Package and enter the promo code FNTSY and you get a 10% discount. That's the rotoexperts.com exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package promo code FNTSY. Back on College Football Today, brought to you by BetDSI, Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, going through the top 25 battles. We just spoke about TCU Texas, going to turn our attention to Notre Dame and Wake Forest. Ian Book likely will get the start over Brandon Wimbush. It's a 3.30 kick in Winston-Salem. This is a game last year that Notre Dame dominated early, held on for the 48-37 win, but Rich... Notre Dame did not get the cover last year. Yes. And I know that you're very upset about that. It still bothers me. But yeah. they turn it around. Because I felt like I was right in that game. I mean, I had Notre Dame to, to cruise, and they did. And then they took the foot off the gas, and John Wolford threw, like, what, like seven touchdown passes in the fourth quarter. <laughs> Who had Wake Forest? It was Forest driving me nuts. I'm pretty sure Joe had Wake Forest, if I remember correctly. <laughs> well, they did rush for 380 yards on that Wake Forest defense. Brandon Wimbush did have a big day in that battle. Now this is a Notre Dame team that, coming off a very close win over Vanderbilt last week, 
congratulations. You called it. You said Kyle Shermer and the Commodores would play Notre Dame score for score. We're in a position to win that matchup late in the fourth quarter. Now, Notre Dame goes on the road the week before they play Stanford. This is an offense that did pound the rock for 245 yards on the ground. I think it continues here. I think it's the physicality of the offensive line for Notre Dame with or without Wimbush. Notre Dame picks up a 17-point win later today. Yeah, I, I don't have a strong feeling. It's it's not a best bet for me. I like Notre Dame as well, just because of the Wake Forest defense. Uh, I, I watched Wake Forest closely the Thursday before last against BC. They not only struggled, I expected them to have a hard time against A.J. Dillon, the big physical uh, eagle back, but they also couldn't stop Anthony Brown through the air. So defensively, a lot of issues. Now you have Ian Book. Can Book take advantage of those big wide receivers at Notre Dame? I mean, they have a lot of talent on the outside. Brandon Wimbush couldn't do it. Uh, you might see both quarterbacks today, but they need more out of the passing game. And I think Brian Kelly realizes that if they're going to contend for a spot in the college football playoff, if they're going to beat the Stanfords that are on the schedule next weekend, they, they're going to need more from that passing attack. So that'll be one thing to watch today. I like Sam Hartman, the Wake Forest quarterback. I like Matt Coburn. I, I think he's an underrated uh, running back, did a good job against the BC defense last week. But eventually, I think the Wake Forest defense folds I like Notre Dame. You love them a lot more I than them. I do. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I'll take ND, but cautiously. Yeah, now, Wake does get a couple of days extra preparation for playing that game against Boston College on Thursday. I look at this. Uh, they allow 220 rushing yards to Dillon and Boston College's offensive line, a very physical type of offensive line. Even though no McGlinchey and Nelson, this is still a very physical group in the Fighting Irish. They're on the road. I like that recipe. The, the fact that they're not playing at home, to me, that's the factor. And you look at the both secondaries. I mean, Notre Dame's allowing 251 passing yards per game. You mentioned Hartman. Hinton does come back from suspension. Do they utilize him in this battle? He's played very well, Hartman. Six touchdowns, five interceptions. But the weakness of Wake Forest as well is their secondary, giving up well over 300 yards per game. Again, I think it's the speed of Notre Dame. I think it's high scoring, too. Just in the area of last year, I could see yeah. both of these teams putting up 80 points. But in the end, Notre Dame is victorious and covers this number. Yeah, I, I think Notre Dame wins. I, I think it'll be a, a kind of a frenetic second half. Sam Hartman, you mentioned, has done a good job. I, I, I can see Kendall Hilton because he's more of a running quarterback right. than a passer. I could see him complimenting. Sam Hartman. Could be a little rusty coming in. Could yeah, be, and could be yeah. rusty, but there could be packages. Right. There could be sub-packages to take advantage of his legs. I'm just not sold on the Wake yeah. Forest defense. ND's been winning ugly. I mean, have they yeah. covered? I think they covered the Michigan well, game. They haven't covered the last two against Ball State right. and Vandy. But again, I'll cautiously take Notre Dame. Yeah. Uh, not in love with this game. Yeah, yet. yeah. we'll turn our attention to another battle in the SEC. It's Alabama and Nick Saban at home to face Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M. This is a team in Texas A&M that played Alabama score for score in the second half last year before uh, falling behind in that battle, 17 to nothing. They lost that matchup, uh, 27 to 19, eight points. Did cover uh, the Vegas number in that battle. I believe they were in the area of about 18 and a half, 19 point home dogs in that matchup. They now go on the road where they're 27-point underdogs in this ballgame. It, it's dipped now to about 26-and-a-half. This is a team in Alabama. All they do is win, baby. I mean, two is completing 76% of his passes, eight touchdowns, no interceptions. They fell behind 7 to nothing last week, Rich, to Ole Miss. Everybody was nervous before they blew the doors off the Rebels' offense and defense in that matchup. I think Alabama starts fast, but I'll say this. I think Texas A&M can run the football with Travion Williams. Alabama wins, but Texas A&M does cover this number later tonight. It's hard not to take Texas A&M, <laughs> and, and, and in a way, it's hard to bet against Alabama. I mean, Alabama's playing at a completely different level, yeah, they are. offensively and defensively, because as much as we get excited about the offense and Tua and the receivers and the backs and Jalen Hurts is passing a little bit better when he comes off the bench. How about the defense? I mean, you know, that was Ole Miss, which has such a, a potent offense with all of those receivers, A.J. Brown, Scotty Phillips in the backfield. He gave up a touchdown. That one touchdown shut him out the rest of the way. A week earlier, Arkansas State, best offense in the Sun Belt, one touchdown. So Alabama's playing at a completely different level. I just can't get past the fact that Texas A&M, 
really took Clemson to the wire. And, and Clemson's a notch below Alabama this year, but that was a 28-26 to 26 game, albeit in College Station. But this team is playing better under Jimbo Fisher. It's a better football team than the Ag- uh, that The Aggies are a better team than they were last year. Getting 27 points, even against Alabama, I'm going to take those points. Yeah, there's a lot of numbers here, so I just want to go through them. From a series perspective, Alabama's won four of the last five by 26 points per game. So they hold that margin in terms of uh, the spread. It's right in the area of 26, 26 and a half, depending upon where you look. And then over the last couple of years, Rich, Alabama is 17-1 and against SEC opponents and have won those 17 games by 26.3 points per game. You look at Texas A&M in SEC play last year, 4-4 Four and four overall, they won those four games by 5.7 points per game and lost those four by 17.3 points per game. They're going to need a better effort. And here's the one thing I think if you want to back Texas A&M, let's keep in mind, Alabama opened with Florida State last week, last year, week number one. So Jimbo Fisher saw Alabama up close and personal. Did he make adjustments? He has different type of personnel. This is an offense in Texas A&M that's averaging 271 rushing yards per game. They're also passing for over 300 with Kellen Mond. He did throw for 237 yards last year against that Alabama defense. They're going to need a better effort, but they're going to need to get Travion Williams involved in the short to intermediate pass passing game to neutralize the pass rush of Alabama, get them involved in screens. Maybe they can move the football in that regard. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Kellen Mond because that was where I was going next, Joe, which is traditionally under Nick Saban, the type of quarterbacks that have given problems to the Alabama defense, and there aren't many, but the type of quarterbacks are the mobile dual threat RPO type quarterbacks. That's Kellen Mond. Again, we saw that against Clemson, against a very good Clemson defense. He threw for more than 300 yards. I totally agree with you in terms of Travion Williams. This this cannot all be on Mond's shoulders. They're going to need some balance. They're going to need that speed. Williams is a terrific running back, one of the best in the SEC. So Kellen Mond and his ability to to make plays with his feet, stretch out the defense a little bit, will be huge. A couple names I want to throw out. You know, I, I love watching Alabama year after year because it's, you know, new year. New guys. New guys. And, and now it's like, you know, now we're watching closely. Joe and I watch a lot of tape. Quinn and Williams on the inside of the Alabama defense. Deontay Thompson, the free safety. These guys have been playing exceptionally well this month. And although we didn't talk about them last year because there were, you know, more of the Minkas that role were players. out there. They were role, they were role players. players. Now yeah. they're stars. So that's something interesting to watch. I, I, not on upset alert, but I think – Texas A&M, with Mond playing well, with Jimbo on the sidelines, I'll I'll take the 27 and hope that they can, you know, lose this game by three touchdowns. Yeah, here's a, a, a possible X factor. Mike Elko, uh, he wasn't there last year. It was Chavis. And we thought Chavis, you know, for years was one of the best defensive coordinators within yeah. the SEC. And a couple of years when they played Alabama toe-to-toe for a half, he looked like he had the type of game plan to contain the Alabama offense. Now, you look at Elko, this front seven in Texas A&M has only given up 87 rushing yards per game. The weakness is the secondary. They're giving up 250 passing yards per game. But if Texas A&M can jump up early, and to me, that's the whole key to beating Alabama. You look at some of the games that they've lost in recent years. Teams jump up early and force the tempo on the team to match them score for score. Ole Miss did it last week. They couldn't continue the momentum. But if Texas A&M can rely on that front seven, they showed me something against Clemson. Yep. You never know what you're going to get. If you could get a turnover here and there, could be a ball game at least going into the third quarter. It's a talented Texas A&M defense. That doesn't mean I feel like they're going to shut right. down Alabama. I'm not sure if anyone is going to this year. I mean, Alabama scored at least 51 in all three yep. of their wins. And again, against some pretty good opponents too, an SEC team and yep. Ole Miss and, and a Louisville team that's traditionally solid. They've scored at least 51 in all three of those games. Here's one final point when it comes to Texas A&M, why I think they're a different team under Jimbo Fisher. I thought that there would have been a little bit of a letdown last week, right? I talked about the the ultimate sandwich game. You just got off an emotional loss to Clemson. You're looking ahead to Alabama, top-ranked Crimson Tide. And and now Louisiana Monroe last weekend was coming in, and I'm thinking – A&M, some young kids on that team, maybe they're looking past. Never happened. That was a 56-10 to victory against a decent Sunbelt team. That tells me that this is a focused Aggie team, so I'll be very curious to see 
for how long they can hang with Alabama. Yeah, I'm curious as well, and you mentioned those wide receivers, guys like Judy, uh, Irv Smith, Devonta Smith. That group has 30 receptions, over 600 yards, and nine touchdowns. Yeah. This was a group that was very inexperienced, did not, did not have a big play wide receiver last year outside of Calvin Ridley. Well, they're stepping up and making plays for Tua, and that's why he is the front runner for the Heisman. We'll see how that game plays out. It is a 3.30 kick. It's on CBS, and it is in Tuscaloosa. We'll turn our attention to the Big 12 battle, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech. I mean, expect to sit down for about six hours in this matchup. <laughs> it's a 7 o'clock kick. You might be up until about 3.30 in the morning. This is is a team in Oklahoma State that has won nine straight over Texas Tech. They picked this victory up last year in Lubbock, 41-34. to They've won the last five over Texas Tech, Rich, by 10.6 points per game. Stepped up last week with a double-digit home win over Boise State. I think it rolls as well. This could possibly be a contender within the Big 12. And if they run the table, don't count them out for the college football playoff. Yeah, I mean, credit to you, Joe. Uh, Gabe and I were on Boise State. I thought they would win that game outright in Stillwater. Uh, Gabe thought they would run the table and be undefeated. I, you know, so I there was a lot of love for Boise State. You liked Oklahoma State. You were spot on. They didn't just win; they dominated that game, and they did it offensively and defensively. People are talking about the Oklahoma State defense. Well, they gave up over 300 yards of Brett Ripon. Big whoop. I mean, they they were winning that game big, and and Boise State had no option but to throw. There was a lot of prevent going on. I thought the defense, Jordan Brailford up front did an exceptional job against the Boise State offensive line. So, you know, I've said year after year, Joe, Mike Gundy might be the most underrated head coach in college football. You say Mike Gundy, what's going to be on his tombstone? You know, I'm 40, <laughs> I'm a man, you know, and that's all anybody remembers. But this guy does a, you know, I he might be the greatest head coach in Oklahoma State history. And year after year, they're a threat to win a Big 12 title. He's got a new quarterback in Taylor Cornelius. Great wide receivers, Jalen McCleskey, Dylan Stoner's yep. doing a good job this year. So, you know, Oklahoma State just keeps rolling along. I think they win today. I'm a little hesitant to lay 13, though. I, I think Texas Tech, now that Cliff has his young hurler in Allen Bowman, Bowman threw for 600 yep. yards last week in a huge win against Houston. I mean, they absolutely blew the doors off the Cougars. I like Texas Tech to cover, but I, I think Oklahoma State rolls to another victory. Well, the total in this matchup, Rich, is 77 and a half. I mean, it's right where it should be, I right. mean, because both of these offenses can score. I have some numbers for you for Texas Tech, and this is why I really like Oklahoma State here. Uh, you talk about their offense. They're rushing for over 200 with Justice Hill, and they're passing for right close to 377 yards per game. I mean, uh, dynamic effort by Cornelius. When you look at Texas Tech's defensive they're giving up 292 passing yards to opposing offenses, but more importantly, gave up 472 yards to King and Houston last week. Here's the matchup as well. Let's look at Texas Tech since 2014 within Big 12 play under Cliff Kingsbury. 12-24, and 24, which is a 333 winning percentage. And during that span, on the road or on a neutral field site, they're 11 and 16 overall, which is only a 407 winning percentage. It includes the week one matchup against Ole Miss. And when you look at some of the better teams in the Big 12 last year Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, TCU, Iowa State. They were 0-5 in those games and lost those five games by 16.4 points per game. I like the better team here. They're playing at home. I know it could possibly be a trap after the letdown of Boise State. But again, I think they have the better personnel. And in my opinion, the more complete head coach in Mike Gundy here. No, I, I don't disagree yeah. with you. A big coaching edge with Gundy over Kingsbury. Uh, better defense. Yeah. Again, I like the personnel of Oklahoma State. They're crappy. They're not going to have a shutdown defense. We like, said it last year, though. At one point last year, they were they were forcing turnovers before they tailed exactly. off. Exactly. Yeah. And they're doing the same thing this Cal year. Calvin Bundage, a name to keep in mind at linebacker. I mentioned Jordan Brailford up front. Uh, they, they've had the Jordan Stearnses of the past. They, they have these scrappy playmakers. I'm glad you brought up turnovers because that's the mantra for Oklahoma State. They're not going to shut you down. They're not going to hold you to 94 yards rushing, typically. Yeah. But they will create turnovers. They will make plays on special teams. That's always That's been a trademark under Mike Gundy as well. So this is a better team than I thought. You know, I thought there'd be a little bit of a letdown after Mason Rudolph, James Washington. They lost some key players on offense. But Gundy just retools. 
Kingsbury's been terrible in Big 12 play. Some of those games he has covered. Yeah. He has backdoored covered yeah, as has. well. So with that ability to light it up, TJ Vasher on the outside, I'm curious to see Bowman. Bowman was very cool under pressure last week despite being a true freshman. So in these kinds of in these kinds of games where you know there's going to be a lot of up and down scoring, it'll be a track meet. I say give me the two touchdowns. Is it down to 13 it's this not, line? It's not. It opened at 13. It's up to 14 now. Well, can I can I get the hook? Can I get the 14 and a half I, on I this one? I think you can. I think you can. A little bit I later, might buy I, the hook on this I mean, one. I mean, as the these games navigate, if you, we watch the TC, and that's the thing, too, when you watch these games play out. You watch the Texas TCU game at, at 330. Uh, depending upon the outcome of that, you might get some line movement towards 7 o'clock with the later action. So if you like Texas Tech, I, I would say wait until a little bit later because – that line could pop up to 14 and a half, 15. We'll see how that game plays out. Here's a stat, too. I mean, you talk about Texas Tech, 448 passing yards per game. 448 passing yards per game. You look at the Oak State defense, they're only giving up 74 rushing yards per game, 222 in that secondary. So that's the matchup. If, if Texas Tech can have a stitch of a running game and maintain time of possession, that could be a recipe as well. But I think it's high school. I, I don't see anywhere. How this game is a 14-7. Would you yeah, no. I'd be shocked? No, if it's 14-7, I would say then a tornado has gone through Stillwater. <laughs> That's the only way that happens. Yeah, I, I can't see anything outside and over here, but we'll see how it plays out. Oklahoma State is averaging 333 passing yards per game. I said it was 370. That was last week against Boise State. So we're just getting started. When we come back, we'll be talking about the other top 25 games later today. Keep it where it is. Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonello and Gabe Morenci live on the Fantasy Sports Radio and Television Network, Studio 34. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Back on College Football Today, brought to you by BetDSI, Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonello, along with Gabe Morenci, talking about the top 25 battles later today. Quick question from Kyle. What's the best bet early on for the 12 o'clock games? I like Missouri. We spoke about it in segment one. See, I like Georgia, so I I mean, who who gave us the question? Kyle Ferguson. Kyle, uh, Kyle, we're going (laughs) to confuse you a little bit here, but I I would say go with me, Kyle. I I (laughs) love I love Joe. No disrespect, Joe. I got another one. Then. Joe's can... been hot, so go ahead. But no, I'll take Georgia. I like Louisville plus the points over Virginia, and I've been on Virginia for yeah. the last couple of weeks. Yeah, you love Virginia you know, this year. It's a conference game. I'll, do, I'll throw one quick stat out there. Louisville's won three of the last four by ten point three points per game. Not going with Jawan Pass Cunningham. Malik Cunningham. Yeah. Cunningham might get the start, so I like that recipe. Didn't look good last week. Got the win over Western Kentucky. I like Louisville plus the five and a half and on the money line. Tell, as well. tell the folks what what else do you like at twelve o'clock. I know we Missouri, already talked I like about Missouri. I like Missouri, but there were a couple of others at twelve though. Didn't you like Purdue? Uh, Purdue, yes. Purdue is a, is one. I, I think the recipe to beat in Boston College. You look at Purdue. Three losses by a total of nine points. They lost a. Four points to Northwestern. They lost to two to your great pick with Eastern Michigan. And then David Blau lit it up for a school record, 572 yards. Covered that matchup by a six-and-a-half-point underdog, losing to Missouri by three. They're now at home facing a possible 0-4 start against A.J. Dillon. All at home, too. I mean, I could know, you imagine starting the season 0-4 That's incredible. At home. But I like them. Plus, the, it's up to seven. I would take the seven points. Again, it's one of my best bets. I like Louisville more, but I would take Purdue with the points in that in that twelve o'clock battle. And the only day, Kyle, this is going to hurt your head. It's going to hurt everybody's head because Joe is typically good at these types of games. I mean, Joe has a knack for these kinds of games. But the one stat I'm going to throw out to you is Boston yeah. College. <laughs> Boston College. This is hard to pass on. They have covered eleven consecutive regular season yeah. games. Now, every every good thing comes to an end. This might be the case. I'm sort of with you. I kind of like Purdue as well, only because they've been close in each of the last three games. I mean, EMU is 
is not excusable. But they had a close loss to Northwestern, and then last week really played hard yeah. against Missouri. Maybe David Blau has finally found his way. Maybe you get a little bit of Rondell Moore in there and they get the cover. I'm high on BC. Love them in the offseason. They're playing well offensively and defensively. And let me tell you something. If Anthony Brown plays as a quarterback, if he plays as a passer the way he did last Thursday against Wake Forest, it's a very dangerous BC team. Yeah, he passed for over 300 yards against that Wake Forest defense. And here's the thing, too. From an emotional perspective, if BC jumps up early, does Purdue – I don't want to say fold it in, but you start now. You know, here we go now. We had that victory. Could happen. I still like Purdue, but that's why I like Louisville better with the points. I'm expecting Louisville yeah, to win Yeah, expound on that a little bit. That one, when, when, you gave, when you gave me that pick, that one surprised me See, because I, you've been high on Virginia yes. and Bryce Perkins. Now UVA is home. Yes, it's a speed perspective. Louisville, first true road game yes, of the season. I like that you conference know. game. I think that I, I don't okay. look at the, the, the close law, uh, wins over Indiana State and Western Kentucky as being as bad as as we thought. I, I think they got beat okay. up by Alabama. I'll watch that I closely. I like Cunningham. I like an infusion. I still like the wide receiver core of uh, yeah. Louisville going up against a secondary. We saw Lou, uh, Virginia's weakness last year in terms of speed teams. Teams like Miami, they couldn't stop teams vertically. That's what Louisville will look to do. Playing on the road, I like that recipe. I think they'll be focused. Bobby Petrino well. really needs yes. Malik Cunningham They're to play well. Three hundred fifty. The offense, per game. albeit against That's Alabama, it's skewed a little bit because they open with State, Alabama, though, Indiana State, and Western Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, I you, you like can't it. play. So Bobby needs a big game yeah. from Malik Cunningham. I'm I'm shocked that he pulled the hook on on Jawan Pass so quickly, but he sees something in Cunningham. And to your point, they have a dynamic. Wide receiver core. Des Fitzpatrick, Jalen Smith, they have a ton of talent on the outside. So it's up to Cunningham to take advantage of that. Yeah, this was an offense in in Louisville last year with Lamar Jackson. They rushed for 245 yards per game, 299 through the air. They're significantly lower in the area of about 168 rushing yards per game and only 198 passing yards per game. That's right in the area of about 360 total yards per game. They need to pick it up later today in Charlottesville. We'll turn our attention to a 3:30 matchup in Bobby Dodd. It's Clemson, Georgia Tech. Clemson's won four of the last five, Rich, and have dominated the Yellow Jackets by 19 points per game. Picked up this victory last year, 24 to 10, in a rain-soaked. Death Valley, their front seven, has been playing lights out. And when you look at the recipe to beating triple option teams, it's what Clemson has. You have dominant defensive tackles that could disrupt running lanes. That being said, expect an electric atmosphere in Atlanta. Paul Johnson and the crew push Clemson to the limit. In the end, Dabo Sweeney and Clemson pick up a seven-point win over Georgia Tech later today. You know, Clemson does this at least once a year, right, where, where they kind of fiddle around with an inferior opponent. This could be one of those moments. I, I just don't think so, Joe. I, I looked back at the numbers. You know, your first inclination is to say Georgia Tech, yeah. triple option, you know, Paul Johnson, Taquan Marshall under center, Cravante Benson is out for the season, so they don't have their – uh, they're A back out of the backfield. But I looked at the last three games. You know what Georgia Tech has done against that Clemson nothing. front? Absolutely. 121 nothing. yards a game, which is less than half of their usual production, 2.9 yards yeah. per carry. So Clemson, Dabo, Brent Venables, they know how to defend this triple option of Georgia Tech, number one. And number two, I just hate the Georgia Tech defense. I mean, year after year. When was the last time Georgia Tech had a signature Marco Coleman. defensive playman? <laughs> I, I, they, they just don't have playmakers yeah. on defense year after year. That's been the one big knock on Paul Johnson and his defensive staff is they just they don't get any pressure. So I'm with you. This could be that kind of a game where, you know, Clemson sleepwalks around like they did with NC State a couple of years ago when they should have lost. They always seem to yeah. do this, right? Pittsburgh they lose to. You know, they, they've had problems with inferior opponents. This could be it. I just don't think so. Yeah. I think eventually Clemson just wakes up, pulls away. I'm not, I'm not so Georgia Tech, too. I mean, they've lost the last two, yeah, played poorly against Pitt. Played poorly against South Florida. So give me Clemson yeah. in this game. Not a best bet, but yeah, I like but that's Clemson. That's why I like Georgia Tech here, just because of that factor. They lost to USF. They lost to Pittsburgh. This is like going to be like their bowl game going up against top-ranked Clemson in this matchup. I guess the key to Matt – and you look at the offense for Clemson. They're averaging over 200 rushing yards per game. They're passing for 288 through the air. They have the type of offense that could put the pressure on Taquan Marshall to match them score for score. The recipe for Georgia Tech is to run the football, maintain, drives there this is an offense 
offense that's converting 50% on third down conversions and more importantly, Rich, rushing for 392 yards per game. But we know that front seven of Clemson only giving up 89 rushing yards per game is the difference. I think we see a little up-tempo, too. You have to break a little tendency if you're Paul Johnson here. I mean, your back is up against the wall. He was just given an extension in, this, in, the, in, the, in Atlanta. People are expecting him to be there for 2020 and beyond. I don't see it. I think if they have a losing year, he's on the outside looking in for 2019. Joe, he's been on the hot seat almost every yeah. year for the past five. I, I think fans of the Yellow Jackets are looking for that elevation, you know, and, and, and every fan base should be looking for that at a minimum, you know, outside of the Kansases, the Vandys, the Oregon States, you should think that you can compete for a divisional title, especially Georgia Tech, since you're operating out of the coastal, you know, you're not going up against Clemson and Florida State out of the Atlantic. You're in the coastal, which is open. It's still open. You know, you have a shot to kind of rise up. Hasn't happened for Georgia Tech you know, they, they, they have those average seasons. They win seven. Maybe in a good year, they win eight. I'm just not impressed by this program. At some point, they're going to have to move in a different direction and have an offense that enters the, the 21st yeah, century. Well, that's the thing, too. When your crosstown rival, Georgia, makes it to the yeah, college football playoff with a coach that in year number two in Kirby Smart and now has a quarterback in Jake Fromm and has playmakers and every kid in the state wants to go to Athens because there'll be a number one draft pick like Sony Michelle. I mean, that's the type of team that you want to play for as a high school athlete. So we'll see how it plays out. I like the over here now. The over opened up at 54, Rich. They knocked it down to about 51 and a half earlier in the week. It's now 52, 52 and a half. When you look at the numbers perspective, it favors the under. Last year, 24 to 10 rain soak game. The last time in Bobby Dodd, it was 26 to 7. Clemson got that win. I think there's going to be fireworks here. I really do. I think if Georgia Tech jumps up early, Clemson will be looking to play up tempo. Could be a lot of points scored. I like the over as well. So I'm going with underdog and the over in this matchup. Any best bets out of this game? Not yeah. for me, but Georgia Tech is Georgia Tech bet. is the best bet. Yeah, okay. and I, if I had to pick a total for one over throughout, yeah, that the makes day, me nervous. It, I, I like the over here. Yeah, you like the over. That makes me nervous only because uh, because Clem they can milk the clock. I got you. Yeah, they can milk the clock. Clemson has shut down Georgia Tech in the past, especially the running game. And Clemson's offense, if Clemson has a weakness right now, is. They're not scoring in bunches. Now, they might against Georgia Tech. I mentioned I don't like the Yellow Jacket defense, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sold on the over in this game. I, I could yeah. see this being maybe like a 31-13 Clemson yeah, we'll victory. we'll see how it plays out. I mean, Clemson has struggled. They struggled with Georgia Southern last week. Uh, they got going in the second half. We'll see if Trevor Lawrence does become the imminent starter. I mean, he has the ability to stretch defenses vertically. Bryant's still completing 68% of his passes, so we'll see in this matchup. It's a 3:30 kick on ABC. We'll turn our attention to a Pac-12 battle. It's Chris Peterson in Washington at home to face Herm Edwards in Arizona State. Arizona State's won four of the last five, Rich, by 14.7 points per game. And more importantly, have covered 12 straight over UW. That's shocking. It ends tonight in Seattle. I think Washington blows out Herm Edwards. I look at that matchup last week on the road in San Diego. Uh, they allowed 311 rushing yards to the Aztecs. I think it continues. Gaskins has a big day, and the UW Huskies roll. I think they put up a 50 spot on Arizona State, 50 to 20 over Manny Wilkins and the crew. No, I, I don't think they'll score that many points. I mean, Arizona State defense has played well so far Better. this season. They get after the quarterback. Washington's offensive line has had problems yeah. this year. Uh, they don't have Trey Adams. We've mentioned that, I think, on every episode uh, so far this season. But the offensive line has been okay. And and really, the offense in general. I mean, have you been blown away by the Washington no. offense? I haven't either. No. You know, Jake Browning's thrown three interceptions. <sighs> Listen, th this is the way I begin my week on Sundays. What I do is I start to take a look at each matchup for the, for the subsequent week, for the week coming up. And then I, I put a line in what I think it's going to be. Now, I thought this would be 11 and a half. So when I saw 17 and a half, now maybe I'm a sucker and maybe I'm being baited in this game. But although ASU came back to earth, they go to Washington, always tough. Washington is the class of the Pac-12, 17 and a half for an ASU team that beat Michigan State in week two, is playing with a little bit of confidence, has that pitch and catch combo 
Yeah. Of Manny Wilkins to Nikhil Harry and an aggressive defense. I just think it's too many points. Washington wins this game. I'm not predicting an upset, but that's a lot of points. Yeah. I got to take the Sun Devils well, here. I think this is the game Jake Browning breaks out. I mean, we've been waiting for him now this year. Would it happen against Auburn? Didn't happen. Would it happen against Utah? He played well, but he also made some poor decisions that allowed Utah a, an opportunity to possibly tie that ball game up or put them in a position to challenge Washington later in that battle. So, this is a defense now in Arizona State that's giving up over 290 passing yards per game. Can Jake Browning attack that secondary? And here's the flip side as well. You look at those wide receivers. You look at Benjamin at Arizona State. Their ability to put pressure on the perimeter of Washington's defense. This is a Washington defense from a secondary perspective, only giving up 170 passing yards per game. One touchdown pass. Yes. Yeah. But now, now, granted, here's the thing too, the matchup as well. Auburn, no elite wide receiver. Ryan, but it's Ryan still Davis, Auburn, though. That's Ryan still pretty Davis, impressive. Solid wide receiver, not elite. Uh, Utah has Covey, not elite wide receiver core. They held Utah to only 143 passing yards per game. This is a legitimate big play wide receiver core led by Harry that will challenge them on each and every play vertically. But can Washington get pressure on Manny Wilkins? Because ultimately, that will dictate whether they dominate this matchup or well, not. Can the Sun Devils establish a running game? That, yeah. That's a big problem that I have is, you know, we talk a lot about Wilkins and Harry. 34 and, yards last week. It's, it's just not acceptable. And, and, and on this show, we talked about, and I said it, you know, San Diego State without its best interior defensive lineman. So they rushed for 34 yards. And Noble Hall wasn't even available for yeah. San Diego State. So that's unacceptable. I mean, you know, Herm has got to get more from that running game. Got to have more offensive balance, especially against Washington. So tough at the point of attack. Greg Gaines on the interior of that defense. You talked about the secondary of Washington. They don't get enough credit, Joe. Year in and year out, they're one of the top defensive backfields in the country. Now they have Byron Murphy playing exceptionally well week after week. Had a great game against Utah last week. Team only gave up seven points. So Washington is the class of this game. But again, it, it's sort of reminiscent for me of the Alabama-Texas A&M. We're confident the favorite's going to win at home, just like Alabama and A&M. We're confident Washington will beat ASU, but that's a lot of points in a key conference matchup against a team that's pretty good. Here's what I didn't like about Arizona State. Now, I picked San Diego State last week because I thought the physicality. I did not like the second-half adjustments by Herm Edwards. They played it straight up in the second half. I watched that ball game till 4 o'clock. It was about 2.45 in the morning, and I was screaming at the <laughs> I could just picture you wandering you around no like, in a, like in Jazz, a state of confusion. When, when Jazz, I don't know if you saw the end of that matchup, but yes, San, yes. San Diego State was running That was a out. terrible call. That, that game should have gone overtime. fumbled, the, and then Manny Wilkins broke the big run, and his elbow was down. I was all over them. I felt like I was playing. I jumped through the TV in that matchup, but I did not like the second-half calls by Herm Edwards. I mean, you saw San Diego State making adjustments. They were going to establish the run in the second half, and they did not change it up. Bobby Gonzalez had a poor game plan in that matchup. That's why I think Gaskins is the key as well, because they utilized him in the screen game last week against Utah, and Utah's defense showed that they can run sideline to sideline. I'm not so sure about Arizona State, and it is back-to-back -back road games. Now, granted, it, it, they went to San Diego, but now they're going to Seattle. Yeah. Does that play a factor in this matchup? Well, uh, listen, I'm glad you brought up Gonzalez. Uh, he, he, he operates a 3-3-5 defense predicated on a lot of pressure. He's going to have to get pressure on Jake Browning. Browning is not a mobile quarterback. He's not particularly athletic. Again, I talked about the Washington offensive line has done an average job, and I think that's the reason why this offense hasn't really taken flight. And I don't think they do here, Joe. I, I don't think Washington's going to go off. I don't think this is going to be a particularly high-scoring game. Last year, 13-7, ASU won. You mentioned four of the last five. It's actually 10 of the last yeah. 11 they've yeah. won. So ASU, it's the strangest rivalry yeah. matchup. I mean, you know, Washington has been so good the last few years, but they haven't been able to really get ASU's number. I don't think it happens tonight, but I could see this being maybe a 13-point victory, 27-14. to 14. Washington wins, shuts down the ASU offense, 17 and a half, just too many points. Yeah, I think the total two in this ballgame is, is intriguing to me because it opened at 48. What is the number? It's, it opened at 48. Yeah. It's up to 51 and a half. Well. Now, 
I could see a blowout, but still 51, and I understand because of the defense of Washington. ASU so will have trouble scoring in this game. They're going to be chucking it. If they fall behind, they're going to ditch the running game because Benjamin could not get it going yeah. last week. And, and you mentioned the 3-3-5 as well. When you look at personnel, in order to run that type of defensive scheme, you need linebackers that can run sideline to sideline. And when you look at sort of the linebackers for Arizona State, they're stockier, they're more rigid, and that's why they're struggling in the second half of that ball game in terms of getting on the perimeter, and that's why they were able to make plays. San Diego State was later in that ball game. We're just getting started. When we come back, we'll be joined by Gabe Morenci live from Toronto. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live from Studio 34. Keep it where it is.